0: earth 2018 the alliance between governments and tech giants has led to the rise of the surveillance society distraction technology the attention wars and the erosion of your mind but one show stands against this insidious system hosted by the podcast champion the man of tomorrow the golden stallion of the tech world Brian Sovereign. He and his co-hosts form the Intellectual Resistance. It's time for Sovereign Tech.
1: can't get through my monday without my monday motivation without my sovereign tech woo, where is it where is it woo, woo, woo. all right <laughs> woo. i'm right here for you baby don't worry the golden stallion the man of tomorrow Sabzu, the rated r woo. radio star the podcast champion woo. tm that baby no don't tm that i'm an anarchist what the fuck are you talking about i don't believe in trademarks woo. <laughs> But the best in the world. Uh, Well, it's not the best as in Brian, Ellen, and Stephanie, but it's the best as in me, which I think a lot of people feel that way because holy shit. Look, I am so sorry. And I mean this. I am so sorry. I pride. I pride myself on the fact that every week, every Saturday, pretty much, unless I announce ahead of time, though I did announce this ahead of time, that you're going to get your Sovereign Tech, baby, and you're going to get your hookup, and your Saturday, you you can celebrate that triple black Shabbat. Woo! But uh, yeah, so this is getting actually released. So I, I made an announcement. Look here, folks, here's the thing. As many of you have, have, have noted, well, I got a lot of emails saying, where the hell is the show? Are you okay? Woo! And <laughs> I even posted on social media a little bit just to like try and let people know that I'm alive. Okay, but here's the thing. Yes, as some have noticed. Yeah, I don't really post on social media much anymore, okay? Unless I'm posting, like, some sexy artwork, which I love to do uh, on Instagram or something, or I'm sharing a picture of me holding an NES classic. Woo! Yes, sir. <laughs> Indeed, I do have one now. Ah. <laughs> let the good times roll, because let me tell you, the man of tomorrow is nothing if he's not a master of entertainment, and I assure you, just ask any of the ladies, okay? <laughs> that, oh, sorry. <laughs> gotta calm it down all right hey uh yeah yeah jimmy yeah yeah let's let's tone it down to like i don't know 11 Take it down from 16 or something. I don't know. What the fuck? Anyway, okay. So, yes, I don't really post much on social media. If you want to find out, like, like a great place to constantly check, like, if you're wondering, shit, where is Sovereign Tech or something? Go to SovereignTech.com, okay? I mean, my main website is ZOG.email, but I don't really have a blog on there. I've, I've, oh, I get tempted sometimes to do that. But my main, you know, SovereignTech.com, that's the, that takes you to the Patreon page, but I'll make it a public post if... I have to release something like on a Sunday, you know, or on a day other than uh, the usual Saturday that I release the show. And there are varying times, you know, working with co-hosts. Sometimes, honestly, like I have to release it on the Sunday uh, just for everything to work out logistically and for it to be fresh, et cetera. Okay, that, that's kind of a new thing with Sovereign Tech, um, but we do our damnedest to make sure that that doesn't happen. I just know that it's happened uh, more this year than it usually has, but you still get a Sovereign Tech every week. Now, you're actually getting this one. You're getting this episode, okay, on a Monday. but And I and I did announce on Friday on the Patreon page, on SovereignTech.com, I said, Okay, the show is going to be released on Sunday. Well, guess what? It didn't get released on Sunday. And I will tell you, I will take the opening moments of this show, if you will indulge me, I will take the opening moments of the show to explain exactly why this show is getting released on a Monday instead of on a Saturday or, fuck, even a Sunday. Here's the score, my friends. And believe me. You will be very happy about this. You'll be glad that you ended up getting it on a a Monday night. Trust me, okay, because this is getting recorded. This is actually getting recorded on a Monday night. Uh, The date is, oh, let's see. Let me look at the, wow, this is a big-ass watch. Man, the Golden Stallion doesn't wear Mickey Mouse watches. That's for goddamn sure. Holy shit, look at that diesel. Uh, Okay, So it's the 23rd of April, 2018 uh, that we are recording episode 274 of sovereign tech. Can you believe that's going to be episode 275 next week, 275, 25 episodes away from 300 episodes. Of course, people that know and people that are actually patrons, there's like what thousand, there's a thousand episodes of so- or no, there's not a thousand, but there's almost a thousand episodes. I think, you know, altogether of, of, of sovereign tech. Uh, whew, Anyway, let me calm it down. So let me explain what's going on here. Okay. Uh, yeah, so I'm recording this on Monday night. I actually, so the reason that I knew I had to delay till Sunday, I have been spending the past few days with the lovely and hyper intelligent, the boss, Dr. Stephanie Murphy, okay? And also with our dear friend, MK Lords. Yes, that MK Lords of Iconosass. We were ha- all hanging out in Boston. We are at the Women in Comedy Festival uh, presented by HBO. Let me fucking tell you. This isn't like going to a to a stand up show. You know, I mean, I watch stand up comedy often enough, but go, but, you know, I've never I don't or I have gone to, to comedy shows before, but I don't like make it. It's not like my first choice. Right. But regardless, MK's in town. So we're going to go have a good time. Right. You know, the, the the three of us, we go do our thing. And and we're catching this whole this whole thing. Uh, Tig Notaro's there, which, by the way, she's going to be in Discovery season two. Motherfucking. Yeah. She's playing the engineer of the USS Hiawatha, I believe. That that's that's awesome. Tignataro was there. Um, uh, let's see who who else was there. Uh, Wanda Sykes was there. Uh, you know, which she's she's well known for. I mean, she's been on a ton of different things. But of course, uh, I know her pretty well from being on Curb Your Enthusiasm, etc. Um, anyway, they were there. Uh, uh, Gina Yashari. Holy shit, she was hilarious. She was probably the best one. (laughs) Anyway, so this was like this major four-day event, and there's all these different things. There's comedy workshops going on. There's all this different shit, and you know we're in Boston, and so we're going around town, you know, the three of us, and and doing what we do. And it was it was an awesome, awesome time. So the thing is, is that when that happened, like, well, shit, you know, um, when am I going to get in Sovereign Tech? When am going to be? When am I going to be able to record this? Um, And I could give you a review of the Women in Comedy Festival. but Maybe I'll save that because maybe I'll have those two ladies, uh, you know, those two amazing ladies on the show in, uh, in, you know, maybe next week or something. So anyway, I was like, all right, you know what I can do? We'll, We'll fit it in somehow. I was like, well, maybe we can fit in on Saturday. Too much stuff going on Saturday. Couldn't fit it in on Saturday. I brought my H6 with me to Boston. Okay, fine you know, I can record on that. I've done shows on that before and, and people have had no complaints and thought this, the audio quality was fine. So what I end up doing is, uh, you know, can't do it on Saturday. It's like, all right, let's see if we can fit it in on Sunday. Now there's a very, very tight time limit to be able to fit it in on Sunday. Okay. And so I'm, I, I say to myself, okay, you know what? I, or, you know, with the three of us kind of talk about, it, I'm like, I'll do it from the car. Okay. <laughs> I'll just do it in the car, which look, let's be clear here, automobiles are actually incredible acoustic environments, especially today, by design because it's part of, you know, uh, so that way you don't hear your engine so much, so that way that the the stereo system within the car sounds really good. I mean, it's actually great like Stephanie, who is a professional voice actor, um, she has many times when we've been traveling, uh she will, you know, bring her her professional equipment and everything and she'll do recordings hooking everything up to her laptop and she'll do it right inside of her car or whatever car we happen to have at the time, Uh, you know, for for these clients that are like, you know, national or even international clients that that need a quick uh, uh, promo or whatever the hell they need from her or something that they're going to use in a commercial. Because, again, it's an incredible acoustic environment. Look, folks, if you're going to do I mean, especially if you're not driving, which I wasn't driving at the time I was in a parking lot uh, that I was going to do this. If you're not don't worry folks, we're going to get into tech news, relax. Okay. I just want to explain what the hell's going on. But you know, if you're doing a podcast, like I get so many questions about how to make podcasts, how to do creative shit, whatever. Okay. If you're looking, wow, you know, I, I don't have a studio. Like I don't have the BDSM studio, which I am recording this in right now. Again, you'll be happy about this. I'm explaining why. Okay. Um, you, you know, if I don't have access to that, like, where's a great place to do it? Well, if you can do it in your car, You know, which maybe you're also, I don't know. I I know I have a lot of digital nomads that listen to this show. Hell, maybe you're living out of your car. No shame in that. I've done that before. I've done that for a few months. When I first moved to New Hampshire, almost, fuck, that was, what, seven years ago? (laughs) I I lived right through the middle of winter, you know, below zero weather. I know how this score goes. Anyway, uh, you know, you got to do what you got to do sometimes. I mean, you know, economy is weird. Um, Anyway, you you know, if, if you wanted a great environment, yeah, do the fucking podcast from your car. Uh, and, and it'll, it'll sound pretty good, especially if you have a fair microphone, quite frankly. So anyway, um, so I was like, okay, I will, I'll, I'll break out the H six and I will just hold it up and I will sit in my car and I'll reach it off of my smart, you know, I'll read stories off the smartphone and everything. Um, and I, or, you know, I'll sit in the car and and we'll 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 do it like that, and, and you know I'll fit it in within the two hour time frame that we have, and you know that way you know Stephanie and MK could go off and go catch another show, um and so I do that, and <laughs> so I recorded. Let me be clear about this. I recorded about an hour of uh, of content, maybe a little, maybe about an hour and a half even, and I'll probably release this on Patreon, only on Patreon. So you're going to have to be a Sovereign Tech patron to get access to it. Again, go to SovereignTech.com if you want to do that. Um, I, <laughs> so I'm recording this. I'm talking about ambient computing. I'm talking about Facebook. I mean, we're going to, I'm going to retread some of this ground here I'm talking about all these different things. And the whole time I'm in this parking lot and like, there's people just walking by. It's a fair, it's I I didn't think it was a busy street, but I guess it was a fairly busy street. And all these people and all these Bostonites are just, your Bostonians are just walking by. Uh, and, of course, you know me, I'm getting all loud and go, woo, you know, I mean, the whole thing, right? And they, they're here, you know, they can hear me outside of the car <laughs> and they're just looking at me, uh, like, like there's this crazy person talking into this hairy muff. Now, I say hairy muff. <laughs> I say that because I have a, a pretty advanced, muff over the microphones on my uh, zoom h6 okay that that uses i mean this is like really honestly it's high science uh where it's like the it's it looks like hair okay it's not just uh you, you know it's not just like a foam piece going over it it's it's actual hair and the hair breaks up you know kind of the sound waves to where you, you're not getting your pops with the peas and all this different stuff it works as a great pop a portable pop filter uh, very handy. I love it. it. It's it's really, really slick. And the H6, of course, is one of the highest end portable mics that you can get in the world. Um, but anyway, so, you know, I'm doing this and people just start looking at me and some people start stopping and they're like listening to me record this goddamn thing. It's not like I have the windows open or whatever, but they're just sitting there and they're kind of like staring. And, I'm, you know, I can perform in front of a live audience, but I mean, admittedly, it was it was throwing me off. Like it was really throwing me off. And also the H6, again, like I said, very high quality phone uh, or I mean, a high quality microphone. And it was getting a lot of the traffic that was going by. Now, I thought I parked somewhere where there was no where there was little to no action. Not at all. Then the fucking police okay, are like parking across the street. I don't know. I don't know what the hell they thought was going on. And bottom line being, it got to like I got about an hour and twenty in, and like I said, there was points where I was very distracted by by things that were going on, and and it was and like you know, it's at certain points people are kind of laughing. I mean, you know, you you the listeners, you the Sovereign Tech listeners, you know that you can't hear anything any anything uh, hear anything else quite like Sovereign Tech, and so I'm sure these Bostonians or these people in Boston anyway, sure as fuck never heard anything like this, and so you know, I'm just you know rattling everything off. And so eventually, I just stop. I stop. A couple people clap, <laughs> and then everybody else just kind of walks off. And and I and I just go off to Starbucks, you know. <laughs> and I and I wait to connect. Uh, we were going to see Gina Yashara or Yashari at that at that point, and I just meet up with MK and Stephanie after that fact. Um, you know, I, like I mean, we had a hotel room because we were staying there a few days, actually. A, pretty nice pretty nice hotel room quite frankly Um, and it would have been better if I just recorded it there but again the timing didn't necessarily line up and frankly like I was I was not pleased (laughs) <laughs> okay. I mean, I haven't even listened back to it yet because honestly, I just got home. All right. <laughs> like I just got home a couple hours ago before I'm I'm recording this. Okay. And I you know, I've been driving from Boston, you know, back to New Hampshire and not that that's a terrible drive, but you know, it's got some hours on it. And I mean, I've been you know, I'm I'm kind of wired up because I've been just singing at the top of my lungs, uh, you know, various music and you know, singing some Adele and what no. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> You know the shit I'm singing. Uh, you know, all right. C- quick side note. So some Iron Maiden comes on, right? And and I'm a huge Maiden fan. You know, Bruce Dickinson. I mean, fuck, come on, man. You know, like, I mean, I've been a Maiden fan. I, I mean, ironically, like my the first song I remember ever hearing by them way back was uh, Can I Play With Madness. And I know that that's <laughs> that's considered like the really weak uh, pop version of Iron Maiden, but I mean, I was hooked from that. And then, you know, when Bill and Ted are talking about how awesome Iron Maiden are, you know, you kind of get into it, right? Cause Bill and Ted's were, you know, Bill and Ted, as in Bill and Ted's excellent adventure, Bill and Ted's bogus journey. I mean, they're, they're kind of the, uh, you know, they're the epitome of, of, you know, ethical metal experience. <laughs> Half kidding. Um, yeah, you know, air guitar, clean smog. I don't know if you knew that, but <laughs> anyway, I've noticed A lot online. It's it seems to be very chic for people, uh, particularly women. I'm not complaining necessarily uh, for for, you know, for women to like wear Iron Maiden shirts. Um, I, I know there's a lot of Iron Maiden fans out there. And when they're when you're an Iron Maiden fan you're hardcore. Like every Iron Maiden fan is just fucking hardcore. They'll buy everything that, you know, Iron Maiden never has to get radio play ever again because whatever they come out with, there's a few hundred thousand people at least on the planet that will buy their shit up. You know, myself included. Okay? Um but like I noticed this is becoming a somewhat popular thing and some of these people I know they're not Iron Maiden fans. Like, I I don't know. Somehow that has become like chic for people to wear with denim. Uh, Maybe it's always been that way. I don't know, because I remember my first jean jacket actually had an Iron Maiden patch on the back of it. So so maybe that's just long been a thing or somebody realized it. And when they've been trying to bring the 80s back or something, they said, well, you got to start wearing Iron Maiden shit again. If you're you know, if you're going to be the big stuff like but I mean, I know that these fucking people aren't Iron Maiden fans. and, And it's a little odd just how much that is in vogue. Just saying you, you're going to start noticing it too. It's just like when you buy a car, suddenly you notice everybody has the same car that you have. Uh, I mean, it's just like that. And, and I've just really noticed a lot of people wearing Iron Maiden shit. And I mean, I get it. Maybe if like a new album came out, but folks, book of souls, when did that come out? 2015? It's been a little while. Fucking, fucking badass album, but it's been a little while. So Anyway, um, yes. So because I was not pleased a with the audio quality that, that, that came out of that. Okay. I mean, like, I'm just certain that it didn't sound the best and B, uh, because I kind of felt off my game. I cannot let that go. Like I I can't, I never half-ass shit. You understand? Like I really don't half-ass shit. I give you everything I've got every single time, every single week. OK, I mean, fortunately, my fucking co- computers, all the keyboards have, you know, have spill spill guards into them because, you know, I'm bleeding on this keyboard. You know what I mean? So, yeah, so that that I'll release it as like an extra. I mean, and, and it's just for kicks for for patrons to hear because. You know, like it's. <laughs> I mean, I just I'm not going to release it to the public like like I'm just not pleased with it. But it's audio. And, you know, I like to toss, uh, you know, extras uh, along with other extremely high quality content to the Sovereign Tech patrons. But that's why the show is late. I spent 20 minutes explaining all of that um, and going over it. But maybe it's a lesson for other podcasters, you know, to to, to get into as well and to, to learn about. Uh, but the I'll tell you the the Women in Comedy Festival I mean, like I said, was fucking brilliant. I mean, I was dying laughing uh, the whole time. And Boston, of course, has just some tremendous restaurants. And uh, I was, you know, treating Stephanie and MK, uh, you know, to to, to to all the, you know, the best that Boston had to offer, like Boston Burger. Holy shit. That's good stuff. That is some good stuff. Um, and it, yeah, just just, you know, we had, we had a lot of fun, all, all kinds of fun. It was it was really um, it, it's been a great few days. So anyway, why don't we start getting into some actual fucking tech stories, shall we? Actually, you know what? I didn't tell you the rest of the story. I didn't tell you the other reason that a lot of this didn't get released. My fucking Zenbook 3. You know, recently, it's funny. I have been saying, you know, I think I need to replace this thing. My Zenbook 3, out of nowhere, on Saturday gets a blue screen of death. Yeah. I'm running windows 10 on it. And it's the, you know, it's, it's such a portable little machine. I took it with me. That's what I was going to use. And for under, you know, for the past few months, it's been a really trusty sidekick for getting episodes of Sovereign Tech to you, no matter where the fuck I am. Okay. And the thing's not even a year old as far as like in use by me. Now I know that I am particularly harsh on my machines. Like, I'm, well, I'm really harsh on my machines. And also, I I kind of have this, and I'm not saying this because the Han Solo movie's coming out next month, but I have, like, a Millennium Falcon attitude with my tech. I like to push my tech to do things it's not meant to do, okay? Like, and I, I like to, you know, kind of hot rod everything that I have. Um, like, the ZenBook 3 that I had, it's not the ZenBook 3 Pro, it's it's pretty much the the Windows version of of a um of a MacBook. In fact, in a lot of ways it's actually better than a MacBook by like by a long shot. Okay. Um but this is a computer that's not meant to be doing a million things at once. I'm sure Asus probably never imagined that anybody would like do torrenting with a machine like that. Or that they'd be using Tor or that they'd be, you know, doing a ton of converting and game development and all these different things all at the same time running multiple browsers, you know, and recording podcasts and, and you know, going through dongle hell and whatever else. I'm sure they did not expect all of that. But that's what I do. And I do it all at the same goddamn time. <laughs> I mean, I, I push my, my machines to their limits. And the thing is, is like really the only thing that has the kind of power that I need is like a full on, you know, either more of a business workstation class laptop Okay. Or a full on desktop, of course, or, uh, you know, a gaming rig, like a game, like a gaming laptop. Like those are the only things that have the amount of balls, the amount of power that I actually usually need, you know, and that could keep up with what I'm doing. The thing is, is that computers of that nature generally, and I know Nvidia has their, what is it? Max Q they call it, which is their new profile. Okay. Where or, or, or uh, not, not protocol but it's their new uh, recommendations their new standards for having a gaming slim laptop. And we're not talking about Max-Q isn't where, like, you just toss in an NVIDIA MX150 uh, dedicated card or something, right? Because those aren't the most powerful things in the world, even though I think they're fairly impressive. Okay, Max-Q is where NVIDIA says, okay, no, you're going to put in a, a full-on, you know, 1080, you know, you know GeForce 1080, okay, it, into something that is less than or that is around two inches thick. You know, folded, and that that's that's kind of their their idea. So I I know those are out there, but by and large, look, I'm not going to spend I, I I can't I can't spend three thousand dollars like on a computer for something like that. Now, I mean, you can get great gaming rigs, you know, say from Acer or hell even Lenovo and Asus um, or even Dell for under a thousand dollars, frankly. I mean, you can get pretty good ones and you can get great gaming rigs for around 1500. Then you can get into more of like what MSI is offering and everything. Thing is, these computers are, you know, seven pounds a pop. They're definitely not two inches thick. You know, they're they're more like, you know, three, four, five, whatever. I mean, like these these are tough to to haul around. OK, and when you're going quick and you just got to pack shit up and you're not pack, and you're packing rather light, you know, you don't want to bring a whole gaming rig with you. Who the fuck would? So I know that I. So that's why I don't usually buy those machines, or if I do, they generally stay at home. Okay. And right now, with the you know video card shortage going on, which hey, you know, go for it, crypto people, cryptocurrency people, I love you, rock and roll. Okay. You know, the the most uh, effective thing to do to to get a decent you know video card, honestly, is is to buy laptops. You know, with with massive video cards you know jammed into them. Okay. Um, but anyway. You know, I, I'm not going to carry one of those around, I, or at least I no longer wish to carry one of those around with me. I did that for a while, and it was a pain in the ass uh, with the amount of traveling that I was doing, and that I have been doing over the past, at least the past couple months. Even though I wanted 2018 to be a little different on that. Anyway, Um, you know, I, I have this this very slim little computer. I mean, this is a high end machine. Understand that the ZenBook Three, like this, is. I mean, it's all aluminum. I mean, this is a super high end little machine, but the thing is, it's not very powerful. And so whatever the hell happened, just suddenly it starts blue screen of deathing. You know, just out of nowhere. And I run check disk, you know, and it says, oh yeah, there's problems. And so it's probably easy enough to fix. I just have to, you know, connect. The problem is, is that because it's NTFS, you can't, You can't run check disk slash F, which is, you know, the full running of check disk and where it actually repairs everything. You can't do that from the same hard drive. You have to do it from separate media, either a Windows 10, you know, like like bootable media that you that you made on a USB stick or off of a Windows 10 DVD or something. Okay, like that. That's what you that's what you have to do, um, you know, to be able to fix it. Then you run check disk, say, off of the DVD or you run it off of the, the USB stick. Um, okay, fine. You know, <laughs> like, like I, I get that, but that's not something I carry with me normally, right? I don't carry Windows 10 bootable media uh, with me. And also I don't carry around anymore. And especially with the ZenBook 3, which only has one USB-C port, I don't carry around with me anymore a, um, you know, I, I don't carry uh, like a live bootable media of like, say, Ubuntu or something. Um, I'm after doing, after this. So here's a lesson for you carry a little USB stick around with you or even an SD card or something that's running at least a Linux distro or something like that on there, or like a live one that, um, or you know, have tail, I, well, no, not tails, that that would get kind of crazy, but yeah, have something so that way you can at least use your computer if your fucking hard drive fails, right? And I really should have had that with me, and I won't make that mistake again. So lesson learned there. Okay, uh, I mean, and and where's the real problem here? It's not. I don't think actually that the problem is with the ZenBook Three. I don't think the ZenBook Three had a problem. I mean, maybe there was maybe the solid state drive was failing or something. I think Windows Ten. And this could get into kind of our first story, which will bleed into what we're going to talk about, I think, in our story of the week. And and we'll just let this, we'll just let this run. Um, I think the problem is, is that we know that the Windows, what was originally the Windows 10 Spring Creators Update was supposed to come out, was it April 10th? I think it was April 10th that it was supposed to come out. That didn't happen. And the reason that it didn't happen was come to find out you know, Microsoft discovered that there is, there, there was this, uh, bug with the, you know, the image for, I, I forget what the image number was. was. Not, not, I guess the image would be 1803 or whatever. I mean, that's, that's like the windows version number that they'd give it, but there was a specific insider, uh, image that went RTM, um, that, that they had. And that, that one had a bug and that was going to be the one that was going to be, you know, your next, that was going to be your spring creators update of windows 10, your next major revision to, to windows 10 that happens twice a year, redstone four, right? Uh, that, that, that had that bug that created a blue screen of death on a bunch of different computers. And so they delayed it and then they put out this huge cumulative patch for, uh, you know, for the latest version of, you know, for the fall creators update of windows 10. I think that, 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 cumulative patch that they put out there fucked everything up i think that hell there could even be a problem where like i could see there'd be a stability issue where if the the update didn't come out you know like say the spring creators update or something you know didn't didn't hit when it was supposed to and it didn't hit when it was supposed to like i, I could i could kind of imagine that that happens even though i know there are people who uh keep using older versions of windows 10 there's people that still use the anniversary update etc okay okay so I, I get the sense that maybe it had a little something to do with that, that maybe that cumulative update fucked up things, because the ironic thing is that at the hotel that we were staying at, lo and behold, I mean, <laughs> as I'm getting out of the elevator, they have like this little business center, OK, at the hotel with computers in it. Right. I mean, you see this at hotels all the time where they have like a little room where there's computers you can use to check your email or do whatever the fuck you do. I don't know why anybody would dare trust those or use those, but OK. Uh, I, I walk by them and all of their screens have the blue screen of death. So you can let me know, Sovereign Tech listeners, if you suddenly got weird blue screens of death, you know, and again, this blue screen of death that I got was so bad that I couldn't, I could barely boot into windows and then the computer would just would restart and go into the ufi You know, my, my Zenbook three would, um, So just just nuts. Now we do know that now we I think it was just confirmed that the official name now they don't they didn't even know what they were going to name the thing. Apparently there was questions. Some people thought that the initial delay was because Microsoft literally didn't know what they were going to call this update, that they weren't actually going to call it the spring creators update and that that was just something that Windows journalists or Microsoft journalists made up or whatever. And now we know that at least half that's true. That, yes, they didn't know what they were going to name it. And now, uh, as I understand it, they are actually naming it the Windows 10 April update. They're not even calling it the April 2018 update. They're just calling it the Windows 10 April update. I assume it will be out before the end of the month. You know, I, I mean, if you're going to call it the April update, it should probably fucking come out in April. Don't don't. Doesn't that make sense? Um, or I guess it was 1803 is, is actually, I, I think I said 1804 earlier because it's coming out in April, but it's 1803 originally we thought we were supposed to come out in March. Um, so we'll see what happens when, when that comes out, but I mean, they must've had a really bad problem because they actually updated another Redstone four image probably to be the new RTM that will eventually make up what you will download as the windows 10 April update. And when that comes out, I'll do a review of it, even though it looks like there's not a whole lot getting added into, uh, the April, the windows 10 April update. Um, but you know, again, every time one of these comes out, you are getting in a very real sense, you're getting an all new operating system. So, well, I- I'll be reviewing it, but I-, I think that might've fucked with things. So right now, actually, while I'm recording this, I am, uh, getting bootable media made for windows 10 so that I can repair, um, you know, run check disc on my Zen book three. But I mean, this is a, this is a major pain in the ass. I mean, the real solution here, folks, aside from, you know, lesson learned, okay, have some kind of live bootable media with you at all times, just in case, you know, your hard drive or whatever shits the bed while you're going. I really should have known that, but I, you know, or I really should have done that. There was a time where I would do that. Um, but I was packing pretty light for this, but I, again, I'll never make that mistake again. Um but the real answer here is use Linux. <laughs> like I totally blame Microsoft for this problem. I actually don't blame the ZenBook book three. Um, even though I am open to the idea that the solid state drive that's in it, which is the stock uh, SSD might have failed or, you know, might've been failing in some way because that's kind of the nature of SSDs. Why I was so, I was so reticent to get into that, uh, you know, start using that kind of hardware, but whatever, eventually you get to it. So, um yeah, there you go lesson learned. Uh, use Linux, you know which by the way, the new version of Ubuntu comes out in like a couple days uh, you know comes out this week, I believe on the 25th or the 26th that we're getting uh, 1804, which is the LTS version. great time to jump on board with Ubuntu and get the fuck away from from Windows 10 because fuck Microsoft for all kinds of reasons. Anyway, whoo, we'll be right back. We got some more Microsoft news to talk about. They created a whole new OS. Gee. Just pile on those Windows problems, babies. Well, it's not what you think. It's not exactly what you think. I'm just grabbing a joke there. Uh, we'll be right back with more. Whew, you're listening to Sovereign Tech. Boy, let me tell you, we don't need to just get away from Windows. There's a whole bunch of things that I think it's a good idea to get away from. Okay? That includes the legacy banking system, you know, uh, regular, you know, just all, all that government money and everything. So how about you jump on something Instead of going with a cryptocurrency that's just kind of out in the open, what if you could get to a cryptocurrency that had privacy and anonymity built into it? How about that? Why don't you try out Zencash? I want not you go to Zencash.com? They are a Sovereign Tech sponsor. They just recently re-upped because they believe in what's being said on Sovereign Tech. And let me tell you, the Golden Stallion believes in what Zencash is doing. They are philosophically on board with what's up i mean you know that just because they're a sponsor but i mean they are they really are on top of the game uh and i just they have so many great projects going on to me because zen zen cash is just the cryptocurrency aspect of a much larger platform that is zen and there's so many cool things that you you can do with it just go to ZenCash.com. they've got wallets for almost any platform that you could imagine uh and they're really really slick this is something you want to get into cryptocurrencies i don't know maybe you you haven't been convinced yet well let me convince you you want to get on board with one? Go to zencash.com. I'm excited about this, and I don't get excited about many blockchains, and I thank them for sponsoring Sovereign Tech. Woo, let's get back to the show.
0: Oh. Uh. Mm. Agent Sovereign. Oh.
1: Enjoying ourselves while we're on mission, are we?
0: We're enjoying you and each other. Dr. Goldblossom, you little minx. Mm, Stephanie, I think we should all go on missions together more often.
1: (laughs) All right, ladies, plenty of time for more fun later. Remember, we are on official IEF business after all. We've got a mission to complete. The world's sense of morality isn't going to corrupt itself, you know.
0: Oh, I think the two women in this overpriced hotel room are already corrupted. Man of tomorrow. I'm ready for some more moral corruption right now, actually, Agent Sovereign. Get over here, Brian.
1: <sighs> oh, the things I do for freedom. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. oh, Agent Sovereign. Oh, Doctor.
1: Story of the Week. It is time for Story of the Week, where we cover the big story, or stories sometimes, even though I think it'll probably just be a story this time around, um, that are happening. Well, this is going to encapsulate a few different uh, stories, really. But the main one is, is that really out of the blue, and this made for some beautiful headlines. Let's make no mistake about that. Okay. Uh, But out of the blue, Microsoft announced that they're creating a new operating system. But is it a new operating system from the ground up? No. (laughs) <laughs> of course not. Almost nobody does that except for Google with, you know, Fuchsia OS, which I give them credit for doing that from the ground up. And you can see because Fuchsia OS actually, because Google's Fuchsia OS, which is a real-time operating system, all of which are, you know, in the abstract, cool things. Um, you know, I mean, a totally new operating system, totally new kernel and it being a real-time operating system. Um, you know, it when because, fuchsia is i mean it's on github it's all open source you can see just how fucking hard it is to create a totally new operating system and that's why not a lot of people do it now in the aughts it was very popular for different tech giants or quasi tech giants think like hp um or uh, you know some other companies it was very popular for them like with the netbook craze to create their own operating systems, or at least that was their claim that they were creating their own operating systems, right? But they weren't. They were just making Linux distros, like, with their own skins on it and everything, and they're, bla- they're you know, basing it off of Debian or something. And ironically, you know, that's exactly what Microsoft is doing. It's a Linux-based operating system uh, that, they, that they're creating. Now, suddenly, you know, and I've been saying over the past, I don't know, few weeks... That now I'm really not trusting like what Microsoft is doing because this is we're, we're right now we're in let let's talk about this a little bit right now we're in the fourth iteration of Microsoft okay and there is a purpose behind this fourth iteration the first iteration of Microsoft was the Bill Gates era okay. um, you know, the imperial Microsoft era, <laughs> one could almost call it. Then you have Microsoft 2.0, which is officially what was what it was called when Steve Ballmer was uh, running things, which was, a you know, just a crazy fucking, I-, I think, a bad time. And I grew to, like, really hate the company during that time more so than any other time, uh, even though Ballmer, you know, the company was was doing money under Ballmer, like not not bad money either. And then you end up with, you know. Version three, okay, or iteration three of Microsoft, which is when Satya Nadella first took over. And that was the time frame that we had been dealing with for a little while where I was actually getting, other than OneDrive gate, which I'm not going to talk about that again, okay, uh, other than that, I was becoming very impressed with the moves that Microsoft was making to the point that I thought Microsoft uh, Windows might even go open source. And I still think that might happen, by the way. And in fact, this news of this new operating system might be pointing in that direction as well. Uh, and and you'll see why, but now after in, in April there has been a major major shakeup, uh through, throughout the entirety of Microsoft. I mean, like whole divisions are gone. Uh, there isn't actually a specific Windows team anymore. Ter- Terry meyerson has gone. I mean, this is this is a you know I I had said when it went to when Microsoft about a year after into its third iteration under Satya Nadella, I I had said this is a completely new company. And I thought that in the positive, of course, ended up being wrong and I'll never be fooled again. Now, um, under this this fourth iteration, it, again, it's a fourth iteration, in my opinion. This is, once again, a completely new company uh, for a lot of reasons. I mean, there's all kinds of things that they're canceling that were clearly meant to be big ideas, kind of like UWP. Of course, we know now that, you, you know, Universal Windows apps uh, that, We know now those are going to be becoming pretty much just PWAs, progressive web apps, which we've talked about in the past uh, as becoming the next big thing. Of course, I'm not the only one to say that. And I'm not saying that it's necessarily a good thing either because you rely so much on the browser regardless. Uh, You know, a lot of things that they clearly had in mind uh, are going the way of the Dodo and they are really shifting gears. Now, this fourth iteration of Microsoft seems very clear that it's not concentrating I mean, they've even more or less canceled Windows 10 S, right? It's not concentrating on Windows. It's not concentrating on much of anything else. It's becoming, and in a direction that I don't really like, it's becoming what I had predicted uh, some time ago, actually a couple of years ago, that Cortana will effectively be the operating system. And what I mean by operating system uh, is that Cortana will be the user interface that you will interact with. Okay, uh, that that's where Microsoft wants things to go. All right. Uh, Because what they this new operating system and it's called Azure Sphere. um, If you read about it online, you'll they'll call it Azure Sphere OS just to let you know that it's an operating system because Azure is, you know, Microsoft's back end. That's that's their server farms. That's their version of AWS. Right. Which has become very popular. Uh, and really Cortana is just a pretty face, quote unquote, a pretty face for Azure, you know, which powers office 365 and all of the different services that Microsoft offers, which is what, with this, you know, recent shakeup in April company wide shakeup, uh, it's pretty clear that that's, that's the direction they're going is that they're, they're Honestly, they're getting away from the Windows business, from the operating system business overall, and they just want to get people using Microsoft services more than anything. This isn't necessarily new. Some of this stuff was already in play, but now they're kind of all in because with Azure Sphere. So this again, this is a Linux based, and it was just there was like this this live security uh, briefing that was going on for Microsoft, and effectively, <laughs> I mean. They, uh, Brad Smith at Microsoft just came out and announced it, you know, and and he was holding up uh, a little, you know, just a, a little IOT device. And that's what this is for. Azure Sphere is an operating system to be put into uh, various Internet of Things devices. That's what this is all about, because Microsoft sees the Internet of Things as the next revolution in computing. So you had the You know, PC revolution, right? Which Microsoft was certainly very much, you know, a major driver in, if not the biggest driver of all, um, you know, in the 80s. So you had the personal computer revolution. Then you end up with, you know, since the iPhone, more or less, you have the smartphone revolution that starts, you know, like in 07. And now Microsoft, because they dropped the ball in mobile with Windows 10 Mobile that failed. Um, they are looking at going all in on IOT. They see this as the next big thing. But it's not just IOT that we're talking about here. Okay, this is a broader concept. I'm not the first person to talk about it. We have talked about it before. But there's a term out there called ambient computing. Okay, and this is what microsoft wants to be a part of and this and i've known that this was coming and that's why i said cortana is effectively going to be the, the ui and that it's really the operating system of the you know of microsoft's future so what what microsoft and what brad smith actually said on the security briefing was that you know iot devices don't actually need full blown windows you know all they need is you know a very lightweight easily distributable op, and uh, and agile operating system and of course what fits all those bills linux <laughs> I, I, and it needs to be secure brad smith also mentioned that it needs to be secure oh so we're not going to put windows on it are we <laughs> we're going to put on linux <laughs> i mean there, there there's a scary aspect of this and i'll talk more about ambient computing in just a second because that's kind of the scary aspect right at least to me but the <laughs> the, the ironic part is is that Microsoft is effectively admitting that Windows is not very secure, that Linux is superior, effectively in every way, because it's more agile, it's lighter weight, all these different goals that every new version of Windows is supposed to have, right? To be uh, adaptable, to be, or you know, or agile, to uh, to be more secure, to be lighter weight, right? Like, like you know, well, Windows 8 needed to run, uh, you know, on, on lesser requirements than Windows 7, and and so on, right? So, I mean, it's it's just hilarious. They admitted that the open that open source wins that open source has delivered the goods, that Linux is it, you know, uh, not to say, I mean, I'm also, you know, understand I'm a BSD guy, but, uh, but you know, I get it. I like Linux too. I I just, oh man, I, I mean, if I was Linus Troubles, I just, I would be like patting myself on the back, you know, just being like, yeah, I win. (laughs) I mean, that's what Microsoft admitted. So now of course they are going to, is this going to be free because it's Linux? Um. No, they are going to charge a nominal, a small uh, licensing fee, and yeah, sure. So with Azure Sphere, which is the operating system, Linux-based operating system that Microsoft created, they're going to, uh, you know, be baking in some very unique software. I'm sure that may not even be open source that will you know, allow it to connect with Azure-based services and, and you know, protocols, whatever else. Um, so this is going to be pretty specific stuff, and there's going to be a reason to use Azure Sphere instead of just, you know, some, some IoT-based version of Linux, which plenty of those, honestly, already uh, exist. But, I mean, you know, th- this is the direction that they're going, and it's not surprising because you know, why are they going with Linux when they have developed like other, they have at points worked on other operating systems. And I still think they kind of are in back rooms. Um, I've talked about Midori Midori is something that other, you know, uh, Microsoft journalists know about, uh, as well. But I've always felt that, you know, eventually windows 10 is going to become a service, which it already has at the enterprise level. Like you literally charge, you know, you pay a monthly subscription for that, uh, for windows 10, that, that, that's an option. Um, And but then eventually, like they would have or maybe they would completely open source Windows 10 and then they would release Midori, which would be like this killer apps, you know, uh, uh, operating system or something, you know, maybe some of that's still going to happen. And honestly, because they're banking so much on IOT and instead of people using PCs, they want people getting into ambient computing where, um, you know, they just interact with a computer literally anywhere. This is if you don't know what ambient computing is, an analogy would be When, like, say, on in in Star Trek, okay, like in the next generation, where no matter where you are in the ship, you can talk to the computer and the computer can do some kind of action for you, right? Like open the door, turn on some kind of music, whatever. Okay, but you're not necessarily, you don't have to wear a com badge even to do it, but maybe you wear a com badge to interact with it. But that's ambient computing, where the computer is everywhere and always accessible. And this is kind of the, the ultimate dream of IoT. Okay, but take that, instead of on a starship, put that at a city level or even a planetary, like on the entire Earth. At that kind of level, of course, logistically, there's real problems with that. And that's a good thing because I don't want ambient computing. I don't want a computer fucking everywhere. Can I get away from a computer for a little while? Okay, I want to I want to actually connect with myself instead of the Internet for a bit. I mean, the, I, I have so many issues because ambient computing, having computers everywhere and, and collecting data at all times and getting it all stored onto Azure or fucking AWS or whatever. And Amazon's got all kinds of crazy shit planned that we're going to be Amazon Sumerian. Uh, was it is it veranda? The, the the they're planning on bots coming out in 2019. I'm going to talk about those in future episodes, not in this one. OK. But, you know, they already have Alexa and and they're creating their own processors, not their own operating systems they are creating their own silicon. OK, so is Facebook for their smart speaker, uh, or at least now we know that Facebook is getting into making its own hardware right down to the right down to the chip. They're making you know, their own SOCs and ASICs, you know, system on a chip. And this is. Oh, man. Well, th- this is the direction that Microsoft, they, they see this as the next platform, they see this as the next revolution. And it's even getting beyond like Alexa, even though Alexa is part of this idea of ambient computing. So would Facebook's uh, smart speaker would also be a part of that. Um, I'm sure Google's fuchsia is probably being designed to work with ambient computing, which is why it's a real time operating system. Um, I I mean, like there's you know, this is this is something that's coming and it's to help create these smart cities. But look, smart cities is all about visions centrally planned by these asshats either in silicon valley or the government or a combination of both because again we live under corporatism okay we don't just live under governments we live under this you know really uh, uh ugly alliance between uh you know between corporations and and governments and yes we fucking do okay um it kills me when people are like, oh, well, you know, no, no, Facebook's a good company. Oh, Google's a good company. Oh, kiss my ass. <laughs> no, <laughs> you haven't listened to Sovereign Tech enough. We've been covering this for, for, for so long. But, you know, we talked about a couple weeks ago, we talked about the device that MIT developed that you, you wear on your head that has, uh, uh, you know, has bone conduction speakers, and it can actually read your sub-vocalizations, like literally your inner voice in your head that like say when you're reading and, and you know you're reading it in your head, that that's called subvocalization. We we talked about this, it was during a, a wild card segment a couple weeks ago. And this is clearly like what you'd need for ambient computing. Because I think a lot of people would say, well, not everybody's just gonna talk to the ether, you know, to want to get something done or to to do whatever uh you know, because a lot of it, maybe they're going to want some privacy about, well, first off, let's be clear here. You're not going to have privacy from the tech giants nor the government. Okay. But second of all, you know, well, this is how you answer it is that you create commands that can happen through sub vocalization. Okay. Or, you you know, you, you get it to the point where you can read sub vocalizations that way uh, people can, can have these commands, you know, feed these commands to the ambient computing future around them. All right. And, You know, and then whatever happens they want to happen happens and but blah, blah. But I mean, you know, what are you giving to to make that palatable? Because, right. So, yeah, I understand people wouldn't want to, like, say everything out loud, but they've already come up with the the, the tech, you know, the hardware needed to where people don't have to say it out loud. All right. But then what's the cost of that? These fucking companies are literally reading your thoughts. That's what it takes. They know that that's what it takes for you to buy into this ambient computing. But that kind of future, like, what's scary about that kind of future? That's exactly what's needed to make it work, is you have to have BCI, right? uh, Brain-computer interfaces, which is what Facebook's big on and all these other companies are big on. I did my own little investigative journalism to find out that Facebook opened up a whole division for uh, brain-computer interfaces years ago. I did that. And then other, you know, tech sources followed suit. But regardless, like, this is what it takes to have the future that Silicon Valley wants for you, not the future you want. You want Star Trek? Fine. But guess what? I mean, I, I'm pretty sure on Star Trek they didn't have, well, they did have some BCIs, but, you know, they didn't have devices, you know, your comm badge didn't read your sub-vocalizations because, uh, thankfully, the writers of Star Trek understood, well, maybe humans would still want some goddamn privacy. And let me tell you something, folks, here's an old saying of mine. You can't actually have security. If this is all about security and blah 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 and you want, you know, you want cybersecurity, yada yada yada, that's part of the reason you listen to this show. Security is bullshit without privacy, do you understand? Ambient computing to work, to be palatable, to to actually function in the way that these companies want comes at the ultimate cost of your privacy. The shit going on in your own head, not what you type out. You know, I mean, that's like an old thing that they that, that they, they say uh, or, you know, that a lot of people say, look, as soon as you as soon as you write something down, as soon as you say it, as soon as you type it out in an email, you might as well just expect that it's out in the open and don't don't even imagine to have security. Yeah, I can understand that. I understand people that think that way. I understand that concept. Like, and I think there's some truth to that. But boy, if Silicon Valley and the government, because again, corporatism, if these you know, if this little alliance, big alliance gets its way. Even your thoughts aren't yours. And don't tell me that this is conspiracy bullshit. Don't give me that crap because I told, we I, I shared the story with you. I mean, it's a fact. Hell, I was just at MIT this weekend and they're developing that shit right there that can do this. Or at the very least, they're getting goddamn close to where it works. Oh, I don't care. This will just help serve me better ads at the cost of your own thoughts being read by all these people what the hell is wrong with you get the fuck out of my face if you think that that's a good idea you have lost all understanding of what it means to be human you might as well just go off we're talking star trek go be the goddamn borg already ridiculous ridiculous yeah, there's a win in this. Microsoft finally admits that the open source movement is actually the wave of the future. But there's a loss in this because the reason that they're embracing it is they know how quickly it can grow and expand and how agile it can be and it can help them create their little their little beautiful future. Oh, I mean, can you believe this? They want to read your thoughts just to make a buck. Come on, man. <laughs> you have no ethics whatsoever. Oh, fuck it. And it's not just Microsoft. Let's be clear here. Amazon's doing this. Facebook's doing this. I guarantee you Google's doing this. And if you think Apple, I mean, this is just Apple's MO. They wait for everybody else to perfect it. Then they release it, right? But all Apple's all about privacy. Oh, no, 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 no. Not when IoT and ambient computing becomes a thing. No, no, no. Oh, yeah. Let's give Apple my thoughts. Oh, that, boy, nothing wrong could go there fuck you people This is where it's going. This is why this is part of the reason I've been talking against IOT for so long, because you think it's harmless. You think it's just, oh, well, it'll automatically feed my cat. Of course, then it fails and your cat dies. Nice job, human. Okay, or, you know, or oh, that opens up my windows. Oh, my Philips Hue lights go on. Oh, it's so Oh, my sprinklers go off while I'm on vacation. And it all comes eventually at the cost of your goddamn thoughts getting read by people that have no business and you're never going to get to read theirs that have no business knowing that stuff. You have a bubble universe in your head. You protect that at all costs. Don't turn it over to them and believe me, this is where the shit is fucking leading. Eventually. There's a reason MIT was even working on that. On a device that can, you know, that can read sub vocalizations Look, the future can still be awesome, but you got to do whatever it takes to not participate in this bullshit, in this direction that Silicon Valley, in cahoots with government, is pushing you. Don't do it. Don't let them do it. You jump on stuff that really offers anonymity and security, that you control. You understand? We'll talk more about that during HackSec. But, whoo, all right, look, I got I, I, I heated up. All right, I'll be right back with some more Sovereign Tech. Hey, you want to take control of your shit? Here's a great way to do that. You want to have like really have it in your hands? How about you diversify your wealth a little bit? I mean, cryptocurrencies are a great way to do that, but, you know, you can go beyond that, too. Again, you want to diversify it, decentralize your wealth. And a great way to do that is to get precious metals. And where I want you to go to do that is Roberts and Roberts Brokerage. The website is rrbi.com. Co. OK, that's the website. Tell them the Golden Stallion sent you. They're going to know exactly who you're talking about. They listen to this show, but they are going to hook you up. In fact, they are a Bitcoin preferred business. You can buy gold, silver, platinum, palladium with Bitcoin. How about that? What a great way to diversify things. And then you have that offline cold storage of your wealth, right? Or at least part of it. I think it's a great way to go. Go to Roberts and Roberts Brokerage, just one of the best businesses in the world. I say that every week, but I mean it. They just are rrbi.co that's the website and i thank them for sponsoring sovereign tech and of course i mean like i said let them know that you heard about it on sovereign tech all right let's get back to the show Agent Sovereign here, go ahead. Okay. What? Understood. No, no, we'll get right on it, Dr. Lesbos. I understand.
0: Mm. What is it, Brian? Is Electra joining us in bed too?
1: No, but I did just get an important message from her. She said Nostra is developing some kind of bioweapon. Judging by what we've experienced recently, they can probably pull something like that off.
0: Oh, what are we going to do?
1: Simple. We're going to steal their data on it, and then you, Dr. Murphy, are going to make an antidote.
0: Does this mean I get to stay in bed?
1: Sorry, Dr. Goldblossom. You're flying.
0: (sighs) I hate getting messages.
1: Important messages... It is time for Important Messages, where I cover the questions that get sent in to me by the various Sovereign Tech listeners. Of course, you also, if you're a patron, you get the Wednesday Q&A special episode only on Patreon. You get a custom RSS feed where you can access all of that. It's really great. And there I can go into, you know, very much in depth with, uh, you know, with with whatever question that you happen to have. And even for this, for the, you know, for the, the Q&A during the Prime episodes here, you can ask me really anything. It doesn't have to just be about tech or science. It could be literally anything. And I promise we will get to that AMA between the hosts. I know uh, everybody I got a couple of emails from people. Oh, it's like, "Oh, you should have done the AMA between you, Stephanie and Ellen." We're going to get to that and we're going to make it a regular thing during the episodes and I think it's going to be a ton of fun. Um but we'll we'll get to that when, you know, when they're on again. So anyway, uh, let's get into some of the questions here, at least maybe one or two if we have time for it. Uh, Here's the first one. So, hey, Brian, uh, I have a small issue and I would love your advice. Um, Well, let's see. So first off, they're they're expecting a child. The due date is approaching rapidly. I have a small issue and I'd love your advice. How would you recommend I share pictures with friends, family, etc.? I don't want to use Facebook or Google Drive for obvious reasons that you have laid out on Sovereign Tech, but I can't remember if you recommend any alternative solutions. I could do email, but that would require people to search through their emails every time they would like to see a picture. And I think I would get plenty of reply alls and people emailing me to catch up. I would like to avoid that. Thank you for taking the time to read this. And I hope all is well. Uh, yes, all is very well (laughs) other than the fact that this is getting released on a, on a Monday, uh, instead of a Saturday. (laughs) Anyway. Um, so I, the great solutions for this that are practical for, you know, for grandma, quote unquote, I use grandma as an abstract term as for people who are maybe not so much technically inclined. Um, the great solutions are kind of getting built like there's there's the app i think that that started getting talked about back in january called pixek p i x e k where that's supposed to be an encrypted file storage solution um that is something that that's i don't think that's available yet like on on android or whatever you know to be able to use and that's kind of the thing is that you you probably want to easily sendable, you know, via a mobile device where you're probably taking the picture. Now, one could argue that because you're already taking the picture on Android and unless you're using Lineage OS, that the picture is already getting uploaded to Google Drive, right? Um, (laughs) Or to Google Photos, uh, you know, whether you like it or not. And it's probably happening, blah, 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 blah. You know, people could get into that sort of thing. And I understand. I still think what you're trying to do is I I think it's good to even... Let's say you take your picture with an Android phone. Right. And I'm assuming you're using an Android phone uh, and you're not using like Apple's solutions. Okay, Uh, (laughs) solutions. Put that in quotes. Right. Uh, Yeah. Let's say you're using an Android phone. I I think that even just not sending it through a Google service or through Facebook sends a message to the people the, you know, the friends and family that you want to share pictures with that, oh, that's interesting. They're not using Facebook or Google. Why is that? You know, and, and that's even like just that little kind of unconscious signal is a really important thing to do. Now, like I said, I mean, there are apps that are getting, you know, worked on where this is a lot easier to do. Um, like there's even a whole social network called how do, which is h-o-w-d-o-o dot i-o that's being worked on they have a beta app already where you can but i mean then people are going to have to log into they're going to have to create a how-do account and all that i mean like there's this is this is a really challenging thing and i appreciate you as a soon-to-be parent new parent um for you know really taking this under consideration because uh, for those that don't know the reasons i mean like You know your kid, a child, even a baby—it's just a little human. You know it's, yeah, they're not an adult, but it's just a little human. They still have all of the you know uh, uh, liberties that other humans really have, and so, you know, shouldn't they have some say in whether or not their pictures get shared around, etc.? Like I think that's something that a lot of parents are, fortunately, including this one. Again, kudos, um, are taken very seriously, and I'm glad you are. Because, you know, you I mean, we already know what Facebook and other companies are doing with pictures of your kids and, and the predictive abilities that they have with it and everything. Um, yeah. No, I, I don't think that it's I mean, people people are going to do what they want. You do what you want, whatever. But I, I applaud parents that take their child's privacy very seriously and don't, you know, really like share pictures with. Um, well, with all of the people we were just talking about in the last segment. You know, and and you're actually taking control of your data and you're taking control of your child's data and you can explain it to your child later saying, look, you know, I respected you as a person and I didn't just share your pictures willy nilly. You know, I I mean, like how many kids are going to rightfully freak out because their parents shared like embarrassing shit of them, you know, after later on when they feel that it's embarrassing or something. I mean, Yeah you know, leave that. You can take the pictures, give it to the kid when they get older. And if they want to make it their throwback hashtag throwback Thursday, fine. But that's, that's that person's, that little human's choice. That's not, you know, know, that, that I really don't think that's for the parent to choose. Um, so anyway, I mean, and when they're a baby, I mean, what, what, what control do they have? You know? And, and so you as a parent, as a steward, Um, I think should respect that, you know, that just just how helpless they may be and to not take advantage of that helplessness by, you know, sharing their pictures with these corporations that just, you know, and governments that just want to control them. Um, So that said, I mean, yeah, like... (sighs) The solutions are getting developed, but there really aren't any great solutions. There, there just aren't. I mean, and you could talk about, well, you could box crypt them and then you could upload them to Google Drive. And all. I mean, I'm sure I'm going to get flooded with emails about solutions that could be done. But I know what you're asking for emailer. you're asking for ones that like, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, the not so tech savvy, you know, could really take advantage of. Um I mean, if you're already, you know, if you're already using some kind of photo storage service, maybe you're using OneDrive or something. I mean, it's really easy to share a folder like from OneDrive. But, you know, Microsoft, we already talked about the problems there. Um, Yeah, I I hate to say it. There's there really aren't great solutions um, for this sort of thing. You don't want to you don't really want to use signal for it because and create like a signal group to share pictures within. Because, you know, if people, I mean, they could save it to their own phones. I mean, and and this is the thing, too, is that sharing digital pictures, as soon as you share it with somebody else, hell, you know, eventually, I I mean, I don't mean to sound nihilistic about this, but Google's going to get that in in some ways. Google's going to get that picture anyway, or fuck, maybe even Facebook would. You know, it's tough to avoid Google getting their hands on this. Because as soon as as soon as one of your friends and family downloads the picture, say, from even an encrypted folder that some other app that you use created, it's going to you know, it's going to end up sending it. You know, the, their their phone is going to have like automatic Google Photos backup and it's going to get to Google anyway. So to some degree, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't, um, unless you're sharing it with people that really understand privacy. Maybe there's not a point you know, to, I mean, I think it's a good thing to not post it on Facebook and not have it for the whole world to see and to try and mitigate what company actually has it. I think that's a very good thing, but avoiding Google could, you know, would be a real challenge, I think, because again, most people that have Android phones or hell, even people that have iPhones are using that free unlimited photo storage that Google photos offers, and it's going to upload to Google anyway. So again, I hate to sound nihilistic about it, but that's, that's kind of, I I feel like that's kind of the reality of, of the situation with that is that there's, there's not a whole lot you can do, uh, you know, to mitigate this problem, you know, to, to mitigate, uh, you know, control of, of these pictures, you know, I mean, to some degree, the best thing you can do is have it be the old fashioned way, right? Where sure you can have all of those pictures stored on, you know, some kind of device. And when family comes over, you can share it with them just like, How it used to be done. (laughs) I mean, that that's kind of the only way you you can control it, unless, again, you're dealing with friends or family that understands the importance of privacy and why you're doing it, which I don't think most people would understand. And most people like, well, hell, I share pictures of me all the time. Oh, and it's just a baby. They you know what? You know, they're just a kid when, you know, anytime somebody says they're just a kid. Um, unless it's like in defense of them, if it's they're just a kid to, you know, remove to say that they don't have like agency or liberties or something um, that that's, you know, that should terrify you. <laughs> like, obviously, that person has has very skewed versions of, of you know, of, of what childhood is all about and what parenting is all about. Um so yeah, I mean, because the real answer is, is, yeah, share them via Signal, and hopefully the people that you're sharing it with, you know, aren't automatically uploading stuff to Google Photos or to other services, um, you know, without your knowledge or whatever. So it's just it's very tough. It's very very tough to to really to mitigate that. Um, but it's an important question to ask. Uh, I think I mean, even if you know, like the apps, like I mentioned, Pixac and others, even if those. Unless the, I mean, what the app would need to do is it would somehow need to stop screenshots. And again, even then, and I would imagine if somebody was like enterprising enough to where they know too well, I'll just use a second camera to take a picture of the picture on my other, on my phone screen. You know, that way I can get that because, again, a camera like a like a secondary camera kills all security and privacy. Right. It's that simple to wipe out the best encryption in the world. Like what what gets said on signal means nothing. If there's a camera overhead, <laughs> you, you get what I'm saying, like it being or, you know, what it, it's going to get known to everybody. Like what gets encrypted doesn't matter if there's a camera taking a picture of what gets said on the screen. Um, So. <sighs> you know, the app would need to block screenshotting and would effectively only allow them not to download the picture, but just to view it in a, in a folder. But then they'd need a persistent online connection, which most people have with their mobile phones anyway. Uh, but that that's kind of what would have to happen with that, you know, to where that that would actually work to the degree that I think is, is not unjustified to want for your child at all. I, I don't think it's unjustified at all. Um, so yeah, I, you know, I hate to be a downer, But there's not a really great solution. And even the ones that are getting developed aren't exactly the best solutions that they're they're not like foolproof solutions. Um, And I and they may not even be going far enough, Uh, nor are they I I don't know much of any of them that are really like considering things from this angle, because, you know, you're not going to get venture capital uh, funding, you know, if if you're not looking to uh, monetize data most of the time. I mean, it is becoming a thing where companies are realizing that data about, um, you know, about users and consumers and everything could be a toxic asset that's starting to become like an attitude. But I don't think that a lot of venture capital is going there. And so like a lot of apps aren't going to develop that way because, you know, they they don't want to think about privacy that hard, right? They want to think about it a little bit but not that hard. And that sucks that, that that's not the case. And, you know, to have like that actual level of privacy that I think a child deserves of their own pictures. Uh, and because it makes sense that a parent wants to share that stuff, you know, I I mean, I get, I get it. Um, yeah, I I mean, it's that old trade-off of security, you know, of security and convenience, Uh, Like the person really to do it right, the person would also have to understand the importance of security and have to learn a few new tricks that it's not just as simple as sharing a link from OneDrive or Google Drive or on Facebook or something. So, yeah, this this is this doesn't have a good answer, you know, because, again, all it takes is for that picture to get uploaded, you know, to get downloaded to a friend's phone. And that friend has auto upload on Google Photos for it to go to Google. So maybe you might as well just do it through Google Drive. I think it's a great idea to not post them on Facebook, to not post them publicly. I think that's wonderful. And because if a friend posts it publicly, that's fucking weird. And, you know, I don't think you're going to be sending pictures to that friend anymore because, like, what the fuck? (laughs) Right. And, you know, sending it with a message saying, hey, you know, I'm, I'm concerned about my child's privacy. Please like don't share this stuff. I think, I don't think there's any harm in saying that. I don't think people are going to get it, but I think it might be enough for them to, to make sure that they don't share it at least on Facebook or Instagram or something like that. So, uh, th- there you go. Again, we only had time for that one, uh, one question this week, but it's a great question to, to, to ask about. And I mean, this is something I do and I've talked about this on past episodes. In fact, when Ellen was on, um, and, and she was really, you know, she really appreciated that I do this. And a lot of people that I talk to really appreciate that I do this. Um, that I ask, hey, can I take a picture of you? And then I say, you know, that's one thing to even just take the picture. It's another thing. There's a second question, which is, do you mind if I share it? You know, and then they can ask, like, and, you know, I'll be sharing it on Instagram or I'll share it here. And I ask that. And if there's ones they do, they're not comfortable with or if they don't want to share it at all, I don't do it. Kids deserve that, that those same rights. And if they can't answer the question, don't fucking share it. Like if they're not capable of speaking, don't share the fucking picture. Okay. Or online in the open, you know, it's one thing to share it between families and friends because, you know, we've been doing that forever, but, um, or at least as long as photos have been a thing, but th- this other, you know, as far as them being like way out in the open for all these fucking corporations to get their hands on and other, you know, people to do terrible things to, Um, yeah, you know, don't do it. So, um, yeah, I think, I mean, if you end up just doing it through Google drive, like you might, to some degree I say you might as well, because I think, You know, the more people you share it with, eventually it's going to end up in Google's, you know, photo uh, storage banks anyway. So, all right, that's it uh, for for this week's important messages. We'll be right back with some more Sovereign Tech. But we got plenty more to get into this week, and we're going to get into it. Uh, Oh, baby. So, anyway, I'll be right back. Hey, you're into the whole crypto space. So am I. And, you know, with cryptocurrencies and all that, if you want to keep an eye on what's going on in the cryptocurrency space, here's where you go. I want you to go to the website. Cryptocompare.com. That's the website. They are, I mean, they got your hookup. They list off so many different cryptocurrencies. You can watch all the prices, get nice charts, the whole thing. Then there's all kinds of news and, and wallet reviews and, every, and so, you know software reviews that all take place within the blockchain cryptocurrency space. Uh, it's just one of the best sites on the Internet. Um, I keep a tab open with it almost all the time. And so CryptoCompare.com. That's the website. You want to check it out if you're into cryptocurrencies. It's your place, your one stop shop to keep an eye on what's going on in that whole space. So, CryptoCompare.com, and I thank them for sponsoring Sovereign Tech. Woo! Let's get back to the show. Time for HackSec, where we talk issues of hacking and security. And oh boy, did I get a hell of a story! And and actually, this story is super fresh, like just came out today. So maybe it's a good thing that <laughs> that the show didn't get recorded until Monday because this is this is one of those things that just makes you scratch your head. Like you just go, "What the fuck?" I mean it. As soon as as soon as I read this headline, you're going to because it doesn't say the name, but you're going to know the name. And you're going to slap your knee and say, great Satan, is there anything sacred anymore? Apparently not. And this is a problem because it affects something that I've recommended for years on this show. I am, I'm, I'm kind of bothered by this. So uh, this is from Engadget, and I'll read, uh, I'll read the headline. Mount Gox. You, <laughs> I'll stop there. You know, it can't be good. <laughs> it's just reading that. Mount Gox chief returns as an exec at a VPN giant. We all know who the fuck that Mount Gox exec is, that chief. Mark Carpellis. God damn it. Read a little bit of the story. And again, the story is from today, April 23rd, 2018. Former Mount Gox CEO Mark Carpellis may still be on trial for embezzlement in Japan, but that is. And look, folks, I, I'm not going to go down the story of Mt. Gox. We, we know the deal or Mt. Gox, however, however, however the fuck you want to say it. Scam, scam, scam. Um, you know, I, I don't have to cover that with you and I'm not going to. And if you don't know about it, go just go find out, because believe me, this is just one of the craziest stories ever uh, in, in the Bitcoin space. But that isn't stopping him. So, Mark Carpellis, that isn't stopping him from playing an influential role in the cryptocurrency world. As part of an interview with Fortune, the one-time Bitcoin exchange leader has confirmed that he's now the CTO, Chief Technical Officer, for London Trust Media, a company best known for its popular VPN service, wait for it, private internet access. God damn it. You know <laughs> I look around, I look around. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, private internet access. Stallium here, my number one recommendation for VPNs. my number one. reading on. It's also an uh, London trust media. It's also an investor in cryptocurrency services like Block Explorer, purse.io and. Zcash. But Karpelis insists he's not involved in that side of the business. London Trust Media co-founder Andrew Lee said he was happy to, quote, give a second chance, end quote, to Karpelis in his, quote, critical hour, end quote. The stint may be short-lived. As Fortune notes, Japan's conviction rate is over 99%. Short of a surprise, there's a real chance he'll be serving a prison sentence and possibly facing other restrictions on what he can do. He's presently out on bail and isn't allowed to leave Japan. Japanese police arrested Karpelis in 2015 on claims that he had artificially inflated the balance of a personal account by playing fast and loose with transaction records Mt. Gox used to convert Bitcoins to dollars. It would falsely state that he had transferred $1 million into the account, for example. He has always protested his innocence and isn't responsible for the theft of 650000 coins that contributed to Mt. Gox's downfall, but it's doubtful that prose- prosecutors will see things his way. Moreover, there's an additional quirk, you see. Uh, you see Mount Gox bankruptcy claimants aren't limited by Japanese to the values as of the exchange's collapse in 2014 thanks to Bitcoin's surging price it's theoretically possible to revive the company there's a petition in progress and send billions of dollars to Carpellus that sounds good on the surface but Carpellus would face both a 60% tax and an inevitable string of lawsuits short of recovering all the bitcoins to fend off those creditors even his best case scenario looks fairly Grim. So there you got a description of what happened in that story anyway. OK. Um, this is batshit insane. Do people deserve second chances in life? Yes. Making somebody that, you know, talk about toxic assets, making somebody that, that that's that toxic in the mind of particularly in the crypto space, cryptocurrency and otherwise. OK, people that are into VPNs, right, you know, using VPNs regularly is the dumbest move I've one of the dumbest moves I've ever heard from a company. And I don't think that London Trust Media are dumb people. I mean, kudos to them for investing in Zen or in Zcash, sorry. Uh, you know, which we wouldn't have Zencash without Zcash. I'm a big fan of Zcash. Uh kudos for that. Private internet access has been a wonderful service for a very long time. Now, I mean, okay, I'm sure there's all, there's probably all kinds of very shady characters that are a major part of a lot of companies, software, uh, et cetera, that I use on a daily basis. Okay. So is this me saying stop use, stop using private internet access? Sort of. Okay. And let me explain. I don't think that there's necessarily anything wrong with private internet access. OK, like I, I don't think that there is and I don't think Mark Carpellis like could do something that would somehow affect, um, you know, that 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 direction of things. OK, and I'll explain why I think this might have happened as well. Because, the, you know, the, the way that they have stuff set up and they've been audited and ever in whatever, you know, by by third party security teams, you know, like that. That's right on. OK, that that's that's fine. Um. I don't think like he can necessarily harm the VPN service itself, but I would say stop using private internet access to send the message to that company. What the fuck are you doing? Like, wh- why would you hire this guy? This guy, you know, <laughs> I mean, this is the Bernie Madoff of Bitcoin. One of them. I, I mean, like th- this, this guy is scum. Okay. And I'll tell you, you, you know, honestly, Look, private Internet access isn't isn't a sponsor. I've reached out to them to be a sponsor for Sovereign Tech, and I've talked so glowingly of them for for years now. Um, It's really, you know, even if they were a sponsor, I would I would say this anyway. and, And my sponsors know that when they sign up with Sovereign Tech, I may say something critical of them. So or, you know, I may say something that to them might be bad for business. They understand that, that they're not going to get on the show. They're not going to reach out to you if I can't do that, because I will not be fucking watered down or controlled. So I will say this about private Internet access. I wouldn't be surprised if some people at private Internet access who have been involved in the blockchain space for a while have been longtime sponsors and supporters of blockchain events, Bitcoin events, et cetera, for many years now. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if I, I think... I think there are a few people and I, I won't name names, but I'll just say that there are people who have engaged in some very strange actions in defense of, uh, Mount Gox over the years. And I'm saying plural. I'm not just talking about one person. I'm talking about others. I think there are people who may have been like an inner circle involved with Mount Gox that, uh, made out like bandits. And I wouldn't be surprised if this is some kind of call in of a favor and that somebody at London Trust Media got a sweet deal from Mark Carpellis years ago before Mt. Gox, you know, tanked. That is speculation on my part. Let me be very clear on that. That is speculation. OK, some of my speculation about, you know, Bitcoin and Mt. Gox and things, you know, Willy Bot and these other things have ended up becoming pretty much true, if not absolutely true. But this is speculation on my part. I will. I am not naming names because I don't want to be accusational on all that. But that's the only thing that that's the only way this could possibly make sense. Fine. You want to give a friend a, a second chance in life? Well, then throw him some money or give him a little job. I don't know. like. But to give him the CTO position of a company with that kind of clout in the crypto space. I mean, that is nuts. And yes, go ahead and stop using private—you know—stop using private internet access. Message them, ask for a fucking refund, and saying I am absolutely uninterested in doing business with you if you're going to do business with this guy, that being Mark Carpellis. I fully support you doing that. And what's your alternative? Run with AirVPN. AirVPN is has always been my secondary uh, option. You know, they they take crypto. Um, For their service, they claim to keep zero logs Again, they claim um, or the other solution is run your own VPN. We've talked about that in recent weeks on how to set that up, Um, you know, and and it's becoming easier all the time, you know, to do that sort of thing. And that way you can trust where exactly those logs go and what happens to the logs of what you're doing with your VPN. Right. Uh, That's a good idea. You know, learn up on how to do this and then you don't have to pay for it. You just run your own VPN server or you run it through VPS or something. Uh, And you pay out that way, whatever. So, but if you want to go with another service, well, there's AirVPN. But, yeah, I mean, this is just, (laughs) this is just crazy. (laughs) What in the goddamn hell, (laughs) you know, are are they thinking? Um, I'm not going to recommend private internet access. Again, I'm not saying there's anything technically wrong at private internet access or with their VPN service. But... Yeah, I want to send the market signal to them. Fuck you. This is, no, you want to give somebody a second chance? This is not how you do it. We'll be back with more. Ooh, hey, let's talk about being back with more. You want more? You want more Sovereign Tech? Here's what you do. You become a sovereign tech patron, okay, and you can go you want to find out about oh all kinds of security news i didn 't get to it this week. I talked about it on the live hangout q and a I talked about the new Fido two protocol uh, and I even got one of the new security keys. things cost twenty dollars of course you can 't really use it anything with anything yet, but uh, you will be soon. Anyway, I mean, all kinds of wild stuff that we talk about, not just tech stuff, but science stuff. Hell, we talk about relationship stuff. We talk about all the geeky shit you could possibly want, baby. All kinds of stuff. And there, there are, I mean, fresh episodes every week that only come out to Sovereign Tech patrons. And you got to understand, when you sign up for Patreon, okay, for Sovereign Tech, and all you got to do to do that, go to SovereignTech.com. That'll get you your hookup, okay? When you do that, and it's just a dollar a month, you can do more. Some people do significantly more, and I'm honored by that. You get a custom RSS feed that will have all of the prime episodes like the one you're listening to now and we will have all of the patreon episodes and you can just download them right to your device it doesn't get any easier you don't e- you never even have to go to patreon again after you sign up okay all of it can happen automatically it's such a it, it's really a great service so again if you want to become a patron you want to get access to hundreds if not thousands of hours of extra content and new content that comes out every week go to sovereigntech.com, get your hookup uh doing that and there's other stuff too that comes out but let's get back to the show now 1337-A 1337-B 1337-C This has to be a server Bioweapon Master Plans Nostra, you fucking morons Only an organization that is the descendants of the Nazis would actually name their bioweapon files Bioweapon They should really listen to a tech podcast to learn how to secure their shit Dr. Goldblossom, I'm ready for pickup. Tell Stephanie to be ready.
0: Oh, Agent Sovereign. Um, I I wasn't expecting you. Stephanie is a little indisposed
1: at the moment. Are you two...
0: We'll be right there to pick you up. Hold tight.
1: Sure, I'll just wait here. Intergalactic super spy. Guess I'll just play a video game while I wait. Game talk. It is time for game talk where I get to talk about video games (laughs) and I don't have to complain, you know, for once during the show, even though uh, we're just mentioning Patreon. Like I said, I'm going to release the audio that I recorded the other day that I spent 20 minutes talking about at the beginning of the show, but at least it ended up with a nice tech tip, right? To always have a live distro with you. Um, I did talk about how puzzle fighter got canceled, which you'll have to hear me rant about it on that little episode. Um, But yeah, (laughs) you know, this is the thing is that so many games today, and this is relevant to what I'm actually going to talk about, which is really cool news, actually. So many games today, like Puzzle Fighter for which is for mobile phones, which Puzzle Fighter is a series like it's a Street Fighter 2 offshoot. That is like a a match gems, whatever kind of game. I don't know. I I never got into into that series as much as I love Street Fighter 2 is one of my favorite franchises of all time. I mean, like, really, I'm crazy about it. Uh, And I can't wait for the 30th anniversary collection that's coming out in May. Like, I'm so jazzed Uh, anyway. So Puzzle Fighter, this game was it had IAP. It needed an always on Internet connection and everything, and they just canceled it. And now whatever money you put into it, same thing happened to me, Tomo, whatever money you put into it, it's gone. And this game is gone pretty much forever. And there there's no plans to like, you know, end of life it the proper way by, you know, uh, creating a patch that allows for offline functionality or for like some kind of DIY server to get set up or anything to run it like it's just gone. I'm really fucking sick and tired. I've been talking about this for years because it's been happening for years. I'm really sick and fucking tired of, of games getting canned like this uh, because I think video games are in our form and you know, they can, they have great games have lasting value. I mean, this kind of points to the fact that these really aren't great games, even though the puzzle, this puzzle fighter game, mobile version of puzzle fighter was made by Capcom itself. And that's the thing I get it. Like these games have to have crazy. they, They do. They have crazy ass budgets. Okay. Uh, and they've got to make a lot of money to justify their existence. And here's the thing. I would never, like, I just, I don't really play games at all as much as I can help it. Um, I mean, I play games that have DLC, but I don't play games that have uh, in-app purchases or they have, uh, that need a persistent internet connection or anything. Um, because I know that that game can just go away, you know, at, at the drop of a hat, it's gone, it's over, it's done. Um, and, you know, when I put money down on a game, I want to be able to play that game for all time. And I, I feel, I mean, I just, I really hate that. And, you know, the, to prove my point, I mean, that games, like, great games can have lasting value. And I think when it has, like, this need in this persistent connection, um, that it's probably not a great game in the first place. Well, I mean, look at what happened. I mentioned earlier, I got an NES Classic. I also, I mean, on launch day, I got a Super Nintendo Classic. Uh, you know, I, I've... These games, yeah, you can do that. You can just, you know, these are effectively little Linux boxes running, you know, emulating these games, but it's perfect emulation. It's it's amazing. Um, You know, you set that up and, and, and away you go and you can resell these games, you know, years later. You're probably not going to do that with Puzzle Fighter. And should you? Maybe not, because it's not great art. But everybody's getting in on this now. And I think that I kind of hope that game companies come to the realization that shit, you know, like. We, we can, we're, we're, we're shooting ourselves in the foot because we can resell these games, you know, 20, 30 years in the future on, you know, some, some rehash console, like the mini consoles that have been coming out. Okay. Like the NES classic and the super Nintendo classic. Now we have, I mean, it was announced at a Sega event, I think in France, um, it was announced that there's going to be a mega drive mini or what you would know in, um, in the States as the Genesis, the Sega Genesis. They're going to come out with the Sega Genesis classic effectively. Um, we don't know much else about it. It's supposed to come out this year, 2018, but we're going to get one of those. That's fucking awesome. I can't wait. I'll be, I'll line up at Best Buy for it. You know, I'm not going to trust Amazon. I learned that lesson with the NES classic and it took me this long to get one of those, but the super Nintendo classic. Yeah. I lined up at Best Buy. I got it and I was good. Uh, So I'll get one of those. Then you find out SNK, yes, SNK, they're going to release a Neo Geo classic or a Neo Geo mini. And we don't know much about that one either, but that's going to come out. I mean, and, and that's the thing is that like these companies are being, they're, they're stupid for even going down this road with these games. And I hope they realize it because again, they're shooting themselves in the foot when they could re-release a lot of games in the future. But you can't do that if games have fucking, you know, 20 gig of DLC and all sorts of stuff and they have to be connected to a server at all times. And if there's so much reliance on multiplayer, that's just not going to happen. But I think it's beautiful that this resurgence is going on. I'm really excited. I'm really excited. I can't wait for the I mean, I want the Neo Geo classic um, and I'm totally on board with getting a Genesis classic like all the way. I'll buy all of them. You know, if they come out with a TurboGrafx-16 classic, I'm there. Uh, of course, there's the Atari VCS, which there's more details coming out about that. And people are starting to think this might be a, a serious system, like an, an actual new Atari. But I'm not so excited about that because what I love about these classic systems, and honestly, I hope that this is also true for the, uh, for the Neo Geo Mini. Or cl- if I say classic or mini, I mean the same thing. Um, for the Neo Geo Mini and for the Genesis Mini, My hope is, is that it's the same thing where there's no internet connection, there's no bullshit, no real, not a bunch of added extra features, just stuff to make it look good on a modern television, perhaps. um, And you just plug it in and you play and you don't do anything else and away you go. You know, I mean, I like the fact that there's some of these hacks, like there's that really easy hack that allows you to add Super Nintendo games to the SNES classic. I mean that like, that's nice that you can do that sort of thing, but I'd be just as fine playing most of the games that exist or, you know, all the games that, that are, that, that come preloaded on it. I mean, you're already getting a tremendous value for 60 or 80 bucks, whatever the end, you know, these little, uh, uh, mini consoles end up costing, but I want them. It needs to be that where the device is, you know, self-contained, no bullshit, doesn't connect to the internet. I like that. Uh, so I'm not so excited about the Atari so much, but as long as the Neo Geo mini and the Genesis mini stick within that realm, great. Like, I, I would love it if, if, I mean, because Sega's leaving money on the table by never releasing a Saturn mini, because like the Saturn had tons and tons of great games that so many people never played. Like the all three Panzer Dragoon games for that system, especially the third one, which is Like, nay, impossible to get your hands on and to be able to really play very well. Um, I mean, you had that, you know, you had the original Knights game. I mean, there's there's tons of great shit on that system that nobody ever got to play. Now, interestingly, the Sega Saturn was the very first console to have Internet connectivity, uh, including a web browser and all of that. Now, those are features you don't have to port over. (laughs) Okay. Because everybody's got a web browser in their hand, right? You know, with their smartphone or with their laptop or something. I mean, there's no need for that kind of functionality. So, you know, release a Saturn that, well, I don't know, maybe if you wanted to create some kind of multiplayer, maybe then you would have a connect to the internet, but I would keep that really, really basic. I'd be just as happy playing the single player versions of these games and, you know, going about the business. Um, And if it's something, if it's a game that actually like multiplayer is a major component, I think it even it's more cost effective to release it on say the PS4 or the Xbox One or the Switch and then just use their infrastructure already without having to create your own, because you'd have to create your own backend to connect. Like Sega would have to create an all new backend for all of these uh, classic games to connect to. So I don't think that that's that's going to be a thing. Um, so there's some features I don't mind if they don't perfectly emulate, but at least give us the games, and I'll, I'll take all of them. I, I can't wait. So anyway, that's kind of exciting news. I think that we're going to get a Genesis Mini. Um, probably some of the best games for the system aren't going to be on there. Like we're not going to get X Men from Genesis, which is one of the best games ever. We're probably not not going to get the original Jurassic Park game where you could play as the Velociraptor. That was fucking awesome. Um, Hopefully, maybe we can get Vector Man. Maybe we, I mean, we'll get the Sonics, of course. Uh, Comic Zone, I think, is a required one. I mean, I, I have a, I have a huge dream list of games that should be on this thing. Yes, I can already play them all on emulators. Yes, I have bought them on Steam and a bunch of other platforms. Hell, I have them on my 3DS. Yes, I can do that. But I like having the – you don't understand. And this is so true. Like, like whenever, you know, like Ellen, Stephanie, and I are hanging out and everything, and you can just – you know, you just press a button and these things turn on and not, I'm not going through the whole process of setting up the controllers and everything. Not that I'm I am totally willing to do whatever these ladies want me to do. OK, like, I mean, please, I'll set all that stuff up. I'm happy to do it. OK, but it is really nice to just turn on the TV and hit the power button button on these things and pick up the controller and away you go. I mean, there's a beautiful simplicity to way these to the way these classic systems worked, and I think that's part of the reason that they might be so popular. And also the fact that they don't have a bunch of DLC. There's not a you're not waiting the next day to play your game because you had to download 20 gigs of an update for a fucking modern warfare horseshit up your ass stuff. Okay, what you know, whatever. Uh, I think that's part of the appeal. And so maybe maybe retro gaming will become. I mean, it's already its own industry, but maybe it'll become a real industry. Maybe it'll overtake the overall gaming industry. Wouldn't that be nice? Uh, probably not with these. But it'd be nice if it was a parallel industry maybe that's the direction we're heading so anyway, good news i think this is the part of the show that was actually produced. so whew, all right i'll be right back with you. hey i got something really exciting to tell you about it has been a while but there has been there is a new release my music performance series audio of the ancients a new album has just been released i'm really excited about this you go to the website audio of the X, Y, Z audio of the And what's really cool is yes, I did all the music for this, uh, but the performance is actually done by Ellen herself. Ellen Stallone did the performance and she knocked it out of the park. It's the Emerald Tablet, translated by Sir Isaac Newton. Oh man, and if you don't know about the Emerald Tablet, well, you got to check it out. Again, pick up a copy go to audio the ancients XYZ and if you haven't heard any of the other audio the ancients albums which are you know they're the dramatic performances of, of these ancient texts I, I just I love doing it and I, I put it to my own music that I compose myself uh, and oh it's a wild time so audio XYZ check out the new album uh, the emerald tablet Stephanie does the quick introduction and then Ellen does the whole performance and oh man it, it's it's dynamite and and I love I love getting to uh, to express my uh or, you know, use my musical chops here and there. So, audiotheancients.xyz. All right, let's get back to the show. Uh, Dr. Goldblossom, I can really use a pickup right about now. I really can't outrun these security bots forever. We're almost at your position, Agent Sovereign. I
0: have the electromagnetic pulse cannon charged. There he is. Those bots are mine. Take that, Nostra bastards! You do always hit the mark, Stephanie. (laughs) I'm sure you say that to all the girls. Take us down, Dr. Goldblossom. Let's get Brian out of this mess.
1: thanks it's about time what are you two doing anyway
0: oh just being the future
1: wild card it is time for a wild card where i can cover well whatever story i want but it needs to be kind of tech and science kind of and it's not the same as the climax where i can just talk about fucking anything and we'll, we'll get to that certainly um this week i want to talk about this is important i think because So way back 2013, 2014, you know, around that, around that area, um, I had been asked the question of, you know, when do I think that Bitcoin is going to like, say, finally kiss 10,000 or, you know, what was my prediction? And I said 10,000. Now, ironically, concurrently, Tim Draper, okay, which Tim Draper, you know, certainly, investment tycoon, the whole thing, you know, people, people know about Tim Draper. I mean, this guy has been in the tech world for a while. Somebody I actually have some respect for. And he, he made the same claim of 10,000 by 2017. And he was right. And I was right. You know, and I, and I I already covered this when it, when it happened, I said, aha, see, you know, I called it. Uh, now, we I mentioned a few weeks ago that he said he was going to lay out another prediction come April 12th. Well, April 12th is now passed um, and his new prediction for uh, Bitcoin's price is pretty bold, I have to admit pretty bold, but he has some other things that he wanted to say, and I, I kind of, I wanted to cover it, and I already had people ask me, this could have been a Q&A seg- segment, but I already had people ask me, hey, do you think that he's right? You agreed with him last time. Well, we, we came up with the same price in the same time frame, and the way that Tim Draper and myself, ironically, again, all the same thing, all at the same time, we, we both agreed on the same point, was that, you know, in the next three to four years, you have all of these You know, companies, startups around Bitcoin and blockchain, uh, they're in development right now. And once all that infrastructure is finally developed or out there or coming into even just beta alone, whatever, that the price would start to skyrocket once this infrastructure is there. And, well, the infrastructure started to show up because, I mean, you know, we both knew the deal. I mean, I had been to many conferences at the time that, that uh, led me with some confidence about this. You know, there were some, uh, there, I mean, there were hundreds of startups and companies that were, that were getting around this. Now, a lot of those have fallen the way of the dodo. But the ones that existed have built some pretty incredible shit and or, you know, that have continued to exist and have thrived, uh, you know, are, are doing some wild things. So and again, Tim Draper and I aren't the only ones and I'm not giving myself that level of importance either. Uh, but regardless. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's that's why we were right um, now, his call. And he doesn't interestingly. So his his prediction is that by 2022, OK, we're in 2018. So four years from now, it's another four year prediction in 2022. It'll be around two hundred fifty thousand dollars per Bitcoin. That's that's his call. And he's not saying Bitcoin cash. He's saying Bitcoin. Um, If you don't know about Tim Draper, I definitely recommend, you know, reading up more on him. This this guy's got a pretty wild history and certainly in the Bitcoin space. Of course, he's well known for buying up um, the auction of the Silk Road uh, Bitcoin. So anyway. Two hundred fifty thousand. Just to comment on that. Two hundred fifty thousand by twenty twenty (sighs) two. He's. He's not giving and I don't have also like myself, like he's not giving the good reasons, like his ten thousand dollar prediction made sense. And a lot of other people thought that, too, Um, you know, because we had the evidence as to why it could hit that. Like there was a good running theory. He doesn't seem to have that running theory at this time like or this time around where he can't tell you why he's saying it's 250,000. It just more or less seems to be pure guess. So, I wouldn't have come up with that you know, what I have come up with in 2022 that it's going to be worth 250,000 per coin. Um I wouldn't have guessed that. I'm not guessing that now. I'm not making that prediction uh, <laughs> like like at all. And for a couple of reasons. One is is that I'm more excited about the other cryptocurrencies outside of Bitcoin than I am. And I'm not saying that I am about Bitcoin. And I'm not saying that, oh, blockchain is the real future, not Bitcoin. No, 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 no. I'm not making that kind of claim. Bitcoin's going to be here. It's going to be around. Tim Draper even said the same thing, you know, that it's going to be his his analogy was that it's going to be like Microsoft, where Microsoft is just kind of the backbone of everything, you know, like Windows is just the backbone of everything. And, you know, it's just there and you're going to have to live with it. Um, and I would agree with him on that, that I think Bitcoin is, I mean, because Bitcoin's purpose seems to have become digital gold, right? That it's like a reserve currency of sorts. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm totally on board with that. I don't know that that qualifies it getting to a quarter million dollars by 2022. But, okay. Um, so, yeah, I'm not going to make that. I'm not going to join him with that prediction. But I'm more excited about, like I say, I, I'm more excited about the other cryptocurrencies. That's why I'm not really like making predictions about Bitcoin necessarily. Uh, but I think there's plenty of other cryptocurrencies that could in the next four years kiss that $10,000 mark. Hell, they could kiss the $20,000 mark in, um, you know, within the next uh, or within the next four years. I should say not. Ten, did I say 10? I meant four. Um, You know, that would be my my next prediction. I think Zcash is totally positioned to do that sort of thing. I think there's plenty of other ones that are positioned to do that sort of thing. Okay, Uh, so I'm excited about cryptocurrencies in general. And Tim Draper is overall overall sounded pretty bullish about. And I put links in the show notes if you want to read more of the stories and his quotes and everything um, about it. I think he's more bullish about uh, other other cryptocurrencies as well, even though Bitcoin will be. You know, will be a major part of it now. I mean, he goes on to there's another article, both from Cointelegraph. There's another article where he talks about other things. Um, He gets into how he wants to split up California. Not a new idea. We talked about this, like the six California solution and all that. Um, He also talks about how government really needs. I mean, this guy's not an anarchist as far as I know. Um, Government really needs blockchain, like blockchain tech is going to be a major part of government. That's probably why he feels like Bitcoin is going to be around for a good long while uh, is because, again, he's expecting it to take that role as the reserve, as the backbone of a lot of this different stuff. Um, And not that it's government controlled, but just that it's, you know, the backbone, right? Just like one could kind of make the argument that Windows isn't government controlled, but then, you know, really it's corporatism and it is. But you get my point. Um, when it's open source, it's a very different situation or it can be a very different situation. Um, so, yeah, he had some he had some other interesting quotes to make within all that. But bottom line being, I'm not going to share in his prediction. I think he could be right. And just because he didn't give a reason doesn't mean that he doesn't have great reasons for why he thinks it's going to be two hundred fifty thousand by twenty twenty two. I mean, I, I'm open it to it being a million by twenty twenty two. You know, a mil- literally a million dollars a coin. I am absolutely open to that happening um all of this is still very early on yes the infrastructure is here and it got us to ten thousand dollars a coin but once again you know again i I always i call this the most interesting statistic and most important statistic of 2017 only one percent of the world's population is holding cryptocurrencies only one percent we are so early you have you you have not gotten cryptocurrencies yet i say this all the time it is early, my friend, <laughs> even when you're buying in at whatever it's at. Now, I think we're getting closer to 10,000 again with Bitcoin. If you want to get in with Bitcoin, maybe store it on Trezor Model T. Good idea. Um, you know, it's early, baby. It's real. it's really, really early. Uh, I think Tim Draper could end up being right. I'm just not going to, you know, put my reputation on the line. He can put his. I'm not going to put mine on as to where I was absolutely comfortable back in 20, uh, 2017 or I'm sorry, back in 2014. Um, in 2013, making the call saying, oh yeah, no, 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 we'll be, we'll be $10,000 in 2017, no problem. Of course, then it went even well beyond um, that. So, yeah, it's early, folks, and these are the prices that it can do. If it's 250000 does it make sense to buy Bitcoin at 9000 10000 Well, fuck, of course it does. So, what the hell? You know, but, I am not a professional investor, you know, I'm not giving investment advice, yada, 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 you know the score. Anyway, alright, we'll be right back with some more uh, uh, Sovereign Tech, but Hey, yeah, I could totally see that happening. I could see it being uh, even more. All right, right on, Tim Draper. Anyway, we'll be right back with more Sovereign Tech.
0: Babylon 5 ended a great war and united a 100 alien races in peace. Danger didn't die. It just went underground with new heroes and new evils to carry the torch. We need to make sure they all understand we will not be intimidated.
1: What is wrong with
0: you people? We have to take him against himself. It's an entire new season of Babylon 5 with all new episodes.
1: Babylon 5 is available for download on your favorite torrent site. See it now to experience the greatest show in television history. Babylon 5. Making an antidote for a highly advanced bioweapon from a hotel room. I have to say, Stephanie, you never cease to amaze me.
0: What good is technology if it doesn't empower the individual? Right, Brian?
1: Someone has been listening to me for too long. Being genetically advanced humans is empowering enough, I think. Dr. Goldblossom, we don't talk about that in public. Dr.
0: Goldblossom, you naughty, naughty girl. Oh, dear.
1: You're going to have to punish me, Mr. Stephanie. Ladies. And Master Sovereign is going to have to punish me too, I think.
0: You get over here, you little. Yes, Mistress Stephanie. Mm. Mm-hmm. Oh, Dr. Goldblossom. Don't stop, you naughty little thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, punish me. Punish me. You've been oh. bad. Mm. Oh, oh. Master Sovereign. Okay. Oh, fuck. Oh, oh, oh yes. Uh, that's all right. Oh, Say, oh. oh, doctor. Uh, you God. two are so fun. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the climax. Woo! it is time for the climax. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> um, I. So, OK, um, just a few minutes left to the show. So I am going to I'm not going to there's a few updates I want to give you on things. First off, OK, um, I am going to be I've announced this previously, but I'm going to be at Porkfest this year. So and there's other interesting stuff. I'm going to talk about Hypercronius. OK, so just bear with me. Um, I'm going to be at Porkfest this year there. I will d- be doing a live Sovereign Tech from Porkfest. Um, and if you want to know what that is, it's the Porcupine Freedom Festival. OK, you can go to P.O.R.C. as in, P, you know, pork is in porcupine porcfest.com dot com. And if you use the code tech 10, you will get a discount on your tickets for Pork Fest. Uh, that's uh, towards end of June 2018. You know, go to Porkfest com. You can get all the details on that. That's really exciting. Um, I'm also going to be at the Nashua Crypto Party. I'm really excited about this. Um, that is being held by the amazing Paige Peterson, of course, longtime friend and longtime friend of the show. Uh, you can find out about that. Uh, it's on meetup, I think, for the Nash. That's on May 5th that I will be uh, there doing that. Um, that's going to be a lot of that'll be a lot of fun, too. Um, anyway, so I have those events uh, coming up. But something I want to give you an update on. So first off, I got from a Sovereign Tech listener. Uh, She sent me, and this was, uh, I mean, I I just like, I broke into tears. I'll just just say it straight up. Um, She sent me out of what they call, it's called pixel bead art, I think is what they call it. it. It probably has other names too. But it's these, you know, beads that you like melt as plastic and it works really well for showing off like 8-bit or 16-bit art. In fact, she sent me uh, my favorite Nintendo franchise. Uh, She sent me um, a bunch of different versions of Samus Aran from Metroid, uh, including one where she's just in the the bathing suit, which is great. (laughs) But then the most special thing was that she made pixel bead art. I mean, and again, this is physical. These are melted beads and she, you know, she sent them to me and everything of the three main characters from my game, Hypercronius, my PC game, Hypercronius. Um, I, I just cried. <laughs> like, I, I couldn't, I mean, they're they just so beautiful and they look perfect. You know, it looked just like the character of Hypercronius and of course, you know, the. the, the the two gals from the game that they're all in a, you know, triad relationship, uh, you know, Tiamat and Gaia, and they were stunning, absolutely stunning. Um, and so I wanted to give you an update on hyperchronius because this has been a real, like, uh, You know, I I take game development very seriously. I love developing games. Um, I've made two personally, you know, under my own brand, Zomia Offline Games, which if you wonder about what does the offline mean? Well, listen to this week's game talk and you understand what that means is that you don't have to connect to a server to fucking play. There's no DLC, no bullshit. You install it on your PC and you're one and done. Um, And eventually these games I've been trying to do or I've been planning on doing it for years. And I've just now started to really get the time in my schedule where I can make it happen, where I could port it to other systems uh, natively. So I will be doing that uh, with with the first two games that I had, Hypercronius and Ninja Trek. But to give you an update on Hypercronius, too. So I have been toying with a lot of different engines and just seeing. As a game developer, I'm a big believer in story. In fact, it's kind of the the uh, subheader. Of kind of the mission statement, if you will, of uh, of Zomi Offline Games, which is my game company, uh, which is story first, story forever. And as I've been developing Hypercronius Two, I've found with the different engines that I've tried, the Cry Engine. I mean, not like I really, I was trying with Cry Engine, you know, Unreal, and so on. Um, like, which one tells the story the best? And I've been messing around with it quite a bit, and I'm actually I'm trying another engine now. Uh, I still have a lot of the game built into the main Ruby engine that I was using uh, that I may just decide to continue with. But it got to a point where, you know, I'm like, all right, I want want to experiment with this, you know, and and see where it can go and what actually works best, because I'd like Hypercronius Two, the sequel to the first game, uh, you know, to be that I want it to be big. I want it to be, you know, a very large adventure that people could play because the first game is very short. Um, And that was on purpose. Like short games were a very popular thing at the time. And so but I I wanted I wanted to have some real scope and scale because it's going to be covering a lot of uh, a lot of time. Um, but the game is still well in development, just just so you know. Uh, and I have there is an engine that I am developing and I've taken the game pretty far in that right now. And I will be um, well, it's going to be I want it. I want that part to be a bit of a surprise. So I'm not going to tell you about that when the game does come out. And I'm not going to give it a timeline. Originally, it was supposed to come out end of 2016. I mean, and, and that just that couldn't happen for varying reasons. There is a lot of, uh, you know, stuff going on in mine and Stephanie's life, not, not like bad stuff between her and I at all. Um, but just, you know, things, life happening that, um, that I won't go into detail on, you know, that, that, that put it behind. So if you're wondering where's hypercronius two, it's being worked on, it's coming. It will get released because there's an, you know, I already have a story written and it's an incredible story to tell. Uh, amongst a million other projects that I have. Like, I just released Audio of the Ancients. I've just gotten to the point, and like the Dark Android 2018 version of the book's coming out, and I've already, you know, added in like three chapters into that. It's going to be, that's going to be a really expansive thing. So just to give you a little update of what's going on with me. Yeah, all the projects are still happening, still getting worked on, still coming, including the video games. Because those are, those are my passion projects. I love working on those. So anyway, that's it for this week's Sovereign Tech. All the news you can handle, baby. And, of course, next week's Sovereign Tech really should be coming out on Saturday. Don't worry about that. (laughs) Anyway, uh, I will see all of you on the other side. And if you want to support the show, remember, you just go to SovereignTech.com. You become a patron. That's it. Really. I'll see you on the other side. You
0: just experienced Sovereign Tech. Go to SovereignTech.com, that's s o v r y n techcom and connect with us there. Find links from today's show, and catch our podcast feed. Sovereign Tech is copy heart. Copying art is an act of love, and love is not subject to law. So please, share the show however you like. Welcome to the Evolution.